Hello, my name is Connor. And I'm Jason. And you are listening to the Amazed and Perplexed podcast. So last episode, we talked about Matthew 18, and you'll remember we said we're going to pretend like we didn't know this parable, we never heard it before, and we just processed through the first part of it, and the basic thing that happens is uh, Peter asks, hey, should I for- how many times should I forgive? Jesus tells this parable. He says, you, sh- you should forgive a lot and a lot more, and then he tells this parable about a master who holds a servant accountable and then forgives him. And so this uh, this servant has just been forgiven of a 20-year debt, basically, and the loss of his home and all that has been avoided. And we're going to begin in verse 28. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt because of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I, I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So, Jason, what amazes you? So what amazes me about this in in this particular reading uh, is, it. I I don't know, since I have heard this story so many times, um, I guess this would, in my first reading, perplex me. Mm-hmm. But it is amazing to me how universally easy it is to forget things. I mean, it's just like this is back to back of of him. It's not like this happened 12 years ago and that he got a forgiveness and he kind of lost track of it. I mean, it's just happened, which, of course, is what Jesus is trying to uh, really exacerbate in us is that, ah, that's so awful. And then to come back and say, oh, I am that man. But the it's amazing how quickly we forget. I mean, it's just amazing how I will be aware of God's grace and mercy, and then I will have no patience with the people that I'm driving around, or no compassion or no generosity. I really struggle with having, I don't have struggle with having generosity to the one person in front of me, but to generic generosity, hey, we need to give to support this cause. I just have, I have to work hard to really feel that, you know? And then I turn around and I'm like, everything I have is his. I mean, it's just, how is it, that and 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 I guess it's amazing too that it didn't. It is this isn't an American thing or an affluence thing. Um, this is way back there, you know, mm-hmm. way back in Jesus' time. And of course, it shows up when Jesus, uh, you know, heals the ten lepers and only one comes back and you know thanks him. You know, so this dynamic of of the disconnect mm-hmm. that humanity has, and I being one of those people, um, between I receive this beauty, this power, this generosity. And I forget an instant later. I immediately recenter on what do I deserve? Yeah. Instead of really, I, I would love for that to be sustained. You know what I mean? And that's probably the perplexing part. Why isn't this sustained? That when you, ble- I feel like if you save my life today, 
within months, I'd be like, what have you done for me lately? And I, I just, I hate that about myself, but it is amazing the universality of it. Absolutely. Well, and I think there's a sense, I know it's in my life, I receive life, I receive beauty, I receive gifts. And it's this, there's this assumption, I, I don't know if it's, if we think it's through like osmosis or whatever that like, oh, well then I am in turn, like, like that's just that light, that forgiveness, that's just, that's just, you know, oozing out of me. That's just, you know, like, I don't even have to think about it because it's just, there's been this good that I've received and it's just kind of oozing out of me. And I think there is part of that when we talk about like our relationship with God and, and, and how being a disciple of Jesus changes us. But I think there's something, um, there's just the, the reality here that Jesus touches on is that to receive beauty is not the same as to, 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 to be beautiful, um, to right. receive gift, to receive, to receive a good thing is not the same thing to, as to be good or to be kind or to be generous. And that's just, that's a hard, a hard reality. Like I think about in the previous episode, I talked about like, you know, what would happen if Elon Musk came and, and paid the mortgage and paid the car bill and paid the student loan and all, all, all these things for, you know, for, for 20 years of, of, of all those debts he paid, um, like I would just be so thankful and I'd be like, this is the best thing ever. But how long would it take for me to be like, man, so-and-so never paid for that movie ticket. I'm legit. I'm legit thinking about a friend who does not pay me for a movie ticket that I, I bought for him. Um, there's no way he listens to this. So it's okay. Um, oh gosh, that derailed me. But like, how long would it take me after, after getting that initial good news for me to suddenly not in turn give out that beauty like i i do feel like okay if it happened like immediately after and somebody was like i'd be like okay i'll give you that five bucks you know you're i'll graciously forgive you um but the immediacy like that you talked about here is so is so telling and it's so human um because there is this idea that somebody else out there is hoarding the beauty somebody else out there is hoarding the goodness and if they'll just give up that goodness then, ever, then, then, it's, then it'll all be good. It'll just all be fantastic. It'll all be better. And sometimes people are hoarding things and they need to give and they need to share. Um, but all the gifts in the world, all of the beauty, all of the sharing, if it's hoarded selfishly, whether by somebody with a lot or somebody with a little, is not going to give out any sort of light or give out any sort of beauty. Um, and ultimately that thing that was once really good, that gift, that beautiful thing that was given, is going to turn to ashes. It's not going to be anything. Um, and that, that reality for me, just transitioning to what amazes me is the way that God, I'm just continually amazed that the way that God has set things up. Like I think about, you know, a lot of like, um, Christian apologists will talk about like the fine tuning of the universe and that stuff's all interesting and important. Um, but for me, just the way that God has fine tuned human beings to interact in a society and interact with other humans and community. I mean, it's just, it, it's so it's so fascinating to me. It, the, the, I mean, I have so many questions for why he does it, specific ways that he does it. Um, but the, the idea that God allows us to make that choice, that God allows us um, to alter good things that he gives us. He allows us to either take part in the beauty and the gifts that he wants to give us, and he also allows us to direct it into evil and terrible things. Like, I, that, that's, like when I think about the way that I interact with people, like in the way that I dish out my resources, I am so much like if I like if you ask me like, hey, Connor, I just I need like 10 bucks. I'm like, well, OK, how are you going to spend it, Jason? You know, where are you getting food? Are you going to get are you, is it the most efficient way to get food? Is it the most like tell, but the way that God lavishes his gifts upon us and allows us to either take part in the goodness, take part in the beauty and also in the same vein, take part in in, in the badness. Like it's incredible to me. I'm just now realizing this. What's so amazing is that 
the debt is forgiven and there's no condition, like there's no initial condition um, that the king gives to the servant. There's not like, well, if you go forgive other people or if you do this or if you do that, um, the initial forgiveness is completely, and this is, is completely free and completely, um, and, and com- yeah, it's completely free and the guy has to do absolutely nothing to have it. Um, and I think, and then the, and what's so incredible is that the king allows the servant to dictate how that gift goes. The servant, if he wants to, can take the gift that he has given and multiply it times all of his servants and go down the line of people that he can bless with this amazing thing that he has been given, or he can hoard it and hold on to it for himself and try to enrich himself. And it is amazing to me that there is no precondition um, for the forgiveness that the king offers the servant. And there's no, well, if you do this, if I do this for you, then you have to do that for me. Um, there's the natural consequences like we talked about in the previous episode of what happens when we, when we're self, when we're self, when we're, when we are selfish and we hoard, um, hoard our gifts, but it's still, it is just so incredible to me and the serious, yeah. So the, I'm, I'm going to stop myself right there cause it's just so, it's so beautiful to me and I could keep going. Um, but just the inviting nature of, of what God is calling us into is, is incredible to me. I, I think that is, yeah, I love that. And one of the things that that kicks off in my mind is it really shines a light on that thinking that if God would give me this, then I would be more generous. If God would give me this, then I would be more. And the truth is, number one, that's that's not true. <laughs> you know, I, and we see it in this parable, but we see it in our lives where people have give, been given a lot. You normalize to that. You expect that now. You know, it's like if it's I've had somebody say, if I if I gave you a hundred dollars today, and you're like, wow, thank you. And then tomorrow I give you $100. And I kept doing that every day. And then just all of a sudden, day 175, I don't give you $100. You're like, where's my money? <laughs> well, it was never your money. <laughs> yeah, like what you have is your money, but this is what I'm giving you. But that's how we are, you know? And I think of my wife and I where we'll say, okay, we're going to take on this new job. We're going to have this amount of money. And then I'll give us all the surplus. And then like two years later, we're like, where's that surplus? Because we just acclimated, you know? Yeah. And and that idea that that is so well put that – I don't become more generous simply because God is more generous to me. I become more generous when I choose that no matter what I have, I'm going to be intentional in trying to share that with others um, and and really submit myself to him and allow him to work through me to bless others. So I just, I love that. Yeah, that's fantastic. So what perplexes you? What perplexes me, it, it really, it, it comes down to a word, tortured. <laughs> yeah. That, that just, and, and, I, and I, I guess it, it, it actually perplexes me how important our forgiveness is. I, I feel like he, he continues, th- this showed up in, in other places where, like he's saying, if you forgive those, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven. I mean, I, I was raised with the unforgivable sin is blaspheming the Holy Spirit, and everybody was terrified, you know, what that means. But the other unforgivable sin, according to the Scripture, is not forgiving, mm-hmm. you know. And here, he just he just loads that down with significance. He's like, look, you need to understand, among all the other sins you could do, if you choose to be unforgiving, it, it's corollary to you being tortured, um, you know, that, that he's going to turn you over to that. Now I, I can immediately say, well, what does that look like? That's him removing himself from you. Cause him, him removing himself from you also removes all the love and all the light and all the life and these kind of things. Um, but just the use of words there, it, it's perplexing 
how, I mean, I don't know if it gets much more harsh that not only will you not have freedom, not only will you be in prison, but you will be tortured until you raise the money, which means forever, because I can't make money if I'm being tortured. (laughs) You know, I, I don't see how that would happen. And so that is, it's perplexing to me how hard he hits. That, that's it. I, I can understand him saying, look, if you don't do this, you're becoming, you're making yourself a God, which means you're refusing God, which means you're choosing not to be with him. Mm-hmm. I get that. But that harsh language, it, it, it always catches me off guard. No, I mean, it, it is so, um, it is so staggering when you look at it and it, and it's, it could be kind of upsetting depending on the light that you look at it in. And the fact that he ends this with saying like, we, he ends it with saying, um, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. And so also adding on top of this, the seriousness to which um, Jesus is is about unity um, between people who believe in him, people who are disciples. Uh, that is just, I mean, the, it, it just furthers upon the significance that Jesus is, is placing upon this um, and, and how, and how grieved and how angry God is when um when these examples of of hoarding our gifts and hoarding our forgiveness and and being hypocrites when it comes to um, all that God has given us, when as when specifically and especially we do that with other people um, who know and follow Jesus, I mean, it, it's one of those few times where you go like, "This is so bad" because I hate this distinction. I don't believe in this distinction. But when you when you're like when you're younger and you're like, man, that old Testament God seems super angry and like super like, like he just not super like this new Testament, you know, Jesus seems, he seems pretty happy, you know, seems like the lots, lots more sunshine. But this is one of those things where like, if that is your distinction and how your brain thinks about the Bible, like mean God, old Testament, nice God, you know, new Testament, there is this example of like, Oh wait, there is, there's some similar similarities here. Again, I don't make that distinction about, about God, but there is that, that sort of feel here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> And, and I think that the big challenge that we have is it's very – I have to keep reminding myself, what's it look like if I'm standing there watching Jesus tell this story? Because it matters. Mm-hmm. It really matters. Um, and that the people don't – there's no – at the end of this, and the people were repulsed and went on their way, you know. Um, it, there There is something significant about – matter of fact, it says in 19 – when Jesus had finished saying these things, he left Galilee, went into the region. Large crowds are following him. So it's not like they're like, I can't believe he said that, you know. Mm-hmm. So there is something about we, – we have to always calculate what are the nonverbals saying here yeah. because this is very confrontive language. And the people are like, okay, you know, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, we want to follow you more. And they're mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. Um, and that's the thing that that I think is really important. And as you referenced, I believe, in, in this episode – but it's that idea of he's talking to an audience that witnessed persecution, that witnessed crucifixion, that witnessed stoning, that participated in stoning, you know? And so torture to them is not a harsh term like it is to us. Um, it's a different feel. They they knew people probably or knew of people that had had their family sold, you know, because that the prime form of slavery and that when in New Testament slavery comes up, it's not mostly people brought from somewhere else. It's mostly families were sold because of debt, you know, and so it's it's this dynamic that um, that that I think we have to keep in mind. The culture matters here as you're hearing this, and he's telling this story to people this will resonate with in a certain way, and so that does help dial it down for me. Um, but it is shocking to me still. So I don't know, perplexes right, but it's shocking to me 
the, man, he places a premium on forgiveness. Well, and again, like how do you communicate to that audience the severity of what it is to be separated from the king? And I think like that that would be that would be the way that you communicate the the seriousness and the severity of what it is to not be um, to not be in the presence of of, of the king. Um, and maybe Jesus would rephrase it to it if he was speaking to modern audiences. I I don't know. Um, but it does it does speak even even if it is that even if it is that um that way of thinking it does speak to the reality um of of the severity of what it is to not be around the king to not be in relationship to not have access right. to him um and that and that 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 is just pretty uh, i mean it's scary it's honestly it's honestly very scary i do think it's interesting it's not what perplexes me but i just want to touch on this i think it is so um i think it's so good for us to dwell on the on the idea that in 19, Jesus will then right after this go on to talk about um, divorce. He'll go on to talk about. Uh... Yeah, I think it's really important that we talk like the, the next thing that Jesus does after this is he'll go and he'll give some teachings on divorce. Um, and Jesus will then go on and give uh, plenty of other teachings. Um, but the fact that this specific example, this specific s- severe example, it's not used for like divorce or it's not used um, for and any number of other things, it's used specifically for forgiveness and forgiveness and unity in, in, in the body of Christ. Like that is so, that is really telling. And I think it's really important when we think about the things that divide us and the things that we allow to come between us. Um, because that doesn't seem to be the things, the things that, that the things that we focus on and the things that we allow to come between us do not seem to be the same things that, that Jesus cares about, but that 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 that's that's neither here nor there necessarily to my perplexion. What perplexes me that this is there are, there are several times, but there's not that many times where we get we know for a fact that Jesus was angry about something hmm. um, like that. Like it ha- like there's a couple examples that you can come up with. There's a few examples that you can come up with, in fact. But from how we how most people have received Jesus and God, you would think that you'd be hearing that that Jesus was angry about something all the time. It'd be every it'd be every single you know verse, um, and just saying if you don't do this, then I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna be pretty mad at you. Or you know if you don't do this right, or if you do that in that way, then I'm gonna be you know pretty angry with you. Um, but it's actually a lot more limited than than most of us received growing up. And so the fact that like this is something that actually makes Jesus angry, um, I. I ha- in my theology, I have room for God to be angry and I have room for him to be um, wrathful. But it's not something I like to think about and it's not something I like to focus on. Um, and it's certainly not as big a part as I feel like most most modern American streams of Christianity would dwell and focus on on, on the anger of God. Um, but yeah, that language is just so... Um, it's so hard because my anger so often is not righteous anger. My anger is usually self-righteous anger. It's anger for what I didn't receive. It's anger for what I didn't get or the wrongs that were committed against me. And so I get the fact that the, the reason that Jesus is angry here is because it's a, it is a righteous anger because people have acted selfishly. They have hoarded the good gifts that he has given them and in doing so made it so that others didn't have as much as they were intended to have. And so I... Like I get that, like that, like that sort of righteous anger, like that makes sense. It's just, it's just so hard for me. It, this is maybe this is the perplexing thing, of why is it so easy for me to be angry for myself and yet not angry for others? Like I can be angry, you know, and I can, I can get there sometimes, 
I, I, I can get there sometimes for other people, but like, the, why, why do the things that make us angry as a church, why do the things that make me angry, um, why, do they, why do they not better line up with the things that make Jesus angry? I, yeah, I, I think that is a tremendous question, and I, I relate to it. I am that, you know. And that, that is the—what uh, what kept resonating with me as you were talking is he sees this bigger picture, and I see such a tiny picture. So when you blow it up, and you're like, Jason, you're really struggling to forgive them, just give me a few examples of how God has forgiven you. At first, I'll be like, you're a smart aleck, shut up. You know <laughs> what I mean? I, I don't want that kind of conversation. Yeah. But I need it, and it'll take me two minutes to be like, oh, yeah. You know, I get it, but but this is the thing about Jesus. Because he kept his eyes on God, he also kept his eyes on the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And I have—that's th- my simple thought of why this happened. Now, I don't know why it's hard for me to, to not stay with the big picture, but I do know that's what happens is I make the world really small, and then, I, um, and then I, I'm justified. You know, I'm justified. As long as I feel justified, I can do anything, you know, and— it's it's almost impossible to justify my self-righteous anger or self-righteousness in general in the big picture. It's only keeping it really small, and then I can really land on, well, I deserve this and I deserve that. That's good. No, that's that's really good. That's really helpful for me. And as we wrap up, I just think, like, it is so, it is so critical for me, like, for me to realize that for all, for everybody to see, um, this man who was forgiven of all this debt would have had just the world lifted off his shoulders. Um, but the evidence of his unforgiving, his unforgiving nature and his hoarding of God's good gifts would, would lead us to believe that he in fact was not set free. He in fact was not, they, the burden was not lifted. Um, and I think that's so important for us to realize here because it's like, well, did he lose his forgiveness? Or did, you know, what 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 did, what did this look like? And it's just, it's so, it's so big for us to remember that the specific gifts that we want or the specific ways we want God to act in our life, sometimes those will come and sometimes they won't. Um, but the important thing that was going to happen for this, um, <laughs> the important thing that was going to happen for this man um, was that not only that his his literal debt be lifted but the spirit of of but the spirit that led him into that debt the spirit that led him into hoarding that way and but i just i I think it's really helpful to remind ourselves um that from all outward appearances um people can see it and they can be like oh yeah man that that guy has been set free um he no longer has that debt on his shoulders because because this really good thing happened to him and that's just that is not that is not the true mark of what forgiveness and grace looks like in a person's life. The receiving of good gifts is not necessarily the benchmark or how we can determine um, if we are living in the grace that God wants to offer us. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I think that really sums it up well. It also reminds me of when Jesus says, hey, it's hard for the rich to get into heaven. This is exactly what the apostle was struggling with. Like, what do you mean? They have all these good gifts. Of course, they're closer to heaven. And I think what they did physically, we do spiritually. That's good. That's good. Thank you for listening to the Maze and Perplex podcast. Grace, peace, and love.